everyone. Welcome to episode 88 of IGEL Weekly. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I have uh, Chris Feeney with me and Jamie Reynolds. Guys, how's it going, Chris? How's your week? Good. Yeah, good, man. Uh, you know, <clears throat> wearing Wolfpack red, baby. You, uh, That was a good one, man. Loved, I'm sorry we missed each other at the game, but that was such a great game to watch. Sorry, UNC fans. I had about 20 people in my group, so I really had no control. And that was fine. I didn't want any control. In fact, I didn't reach out to people proactively because I didn't want to have any control of that day. But, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to catch up. No, it's fine. We bought tickets literally like three hours before the game. We're like, let's do it. Let's go. So, anyway. By yourself, anything exciting happened over the holidays? Uh, I'm sorry. Was that for Jamie? Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Jamie. Yeah, I spent some time with the family, went to the the Smoky Mountains, and just glad to be back. We had a good time. And uh, if we're talking sports, I'm riding high since yesterday, since my Purdue Boilermakers are number one uh, right now. So uh, That's basketball, I assume? Yes, it is, yes. Uh, you know, I haven't gotten started in college basketball yet this year. Uh, that'll come in a week or two, I guess. <laughs> So uh, let's see. Today is uh, November 28th, 2023, and the blog we're going to review for today is – share my screen. Um, blind spots uh, – get in the know, reveal blind spots in your digital workspace, and enhance UX experience. So I, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today is around the user experience, around digital workspace, enhanced UX uh, experience for our users – um, but in the very first paragraph, it calls out security. And we were just having a conversation before we record. I found it very uh, interesting and enlightening to see my new, new-ish security team at Zintegra really taking IGEL on as a primary security play because when they first, when we first started our security practice, I was having to uh, bring up to that group that IGEL, you know, a, a, a read-only Linux uh, derivative uh, was part of a security story, and they immediately didn't grasp it. And but within you know within a day, they were all over it. So I think part of what we're going to cover here not only is the user experience, but the security benefits of it. Chris, are, are you guys? I know you guys as a company uh, are have been messaging IGEL as a security platform for a long time now. Um, by long time, I mean like five years. Um, is it really starting to to hit as a security play across the ecosystem? I think so, yeah. And a lot of things have kind of emerged uh, as a result of that. There's um, uh, what you know you didn't hear too much about, at least you know when I started, you know, was zero trust architecture. Uh, that's become a very big thing. Uh, obviously, the federal government has a big initiative on implementing that, uh, and so that's where I started with IGEL. Uh, when I went into that market, it was the first thing we talked about was security, right? Because you, you can't put something on a cover government network without, you know, security looking at it first and that type of thing. Um, but uh, I, I have told this many times, I, I never lost a deal because of security problems with IGEL's OS at all, never once single at all. But what's happened is, um, Obviously, a lot's uh, you know <clears throat> occurred in the marketplace. We've had many stories where customers got hit uh, by ransomware in a lot of situations. Uh, their IGEL devices were not compromised. Uh, the ones that they had deployed, if they weren't fully deployed, um, and that just sort of you know it's that preventive measure. And so you're going to be hearing more about this uh, preventive security model. Uh, it's more of a you know proactive approach versus a reactive response. We've definitely had customers where they 
we're reacting to a situation by running around and plugging UD pockets into devices before they got hit or something. So uh, looking forward to talking more about that in a future podcast. I, I, I do like what you just said. So people have been using iGel, something like a UD pocket as a reactionary method in once something bad had happened. This, uh, as a just a general concept, as well as what we're going to talk about today, is really trying to be both proactive and reactive. We have to be, but uh, around you know user experience and security at the same time. Which you know, in user compute space, it's in user experience, security, security, in user experience. Number one, two, two, one in that order all the time. And uh, it sounds like you know people are starting to understand that. Uh, I just users. Quick yeah. Question. Jamie, do you have a, a, an experience around uh, a customer you've seen implement iGel from a security perspective? Maybe, maybe not say the customer name, but maybe tell their story. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing it more where we get with customers and they're integrating this as part of their security practice, as opposed to what you said from before, where it was viewed as primarily Horizon or Citrix. But um I just a lot of of healthcare, a lot of you know, we we certainly see Epic and and it falls into the security realm now as well. So you know, we're just trying to get that message out and make sure as as Chris said, we're we're coming up with some new branding and go to market things and 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 stuff like that. So, Chris, specifically, why did you guys bring this blog forward today? So a couple things. Um, so earlier this year, we launched Cosmos, and a big change with that was the introduction of apps and an app portal uh, similar to your mobile platform where you got an app store, for example. Um, and so initially we had a few set of apps out there. Uh, Liquidware is is a stratosphere is one of the first ones that was actually developed by the vendor, an IGEL ready vendor in this case, who we've long partnered with. Um, and so wanted to highlight them. I know since then we've had a few others that have emerged, but uh, but definitely wanted to kind of highlight the fact that uh, now we're we launched Cosmos in April. Here we are, November. What six, seven months later, uh, we're seeing more and more of the the ready ready ecosystem uh, begin to uh, um, you know work on and build and then release their their apps. So, and I know you guys have done a lot of work with Liquidware as well. So wanted to kind of highlight that today. So this this first um, this first section here really talks about what uh, Jamie was bringing up a minute ago. It's an end to end complete solution, and it's only as good from a user experience or a security perspective as any piece of the story, including in this case the managed secured endpoint. Yeah, definitely. I think um, uh, that's that's always been the trick, sort of that last mile visibility. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, going back to the security story earlier, I mean, a lot of I mean, what you've probably seen is people focus on the backend infrastructure, maybe the networking to get there. Uh, but, you know, endpoint visibility, uh, getting into that infrastructure, uh, having a tool that can actually show you, hey, what's really going on if an issue occurs or you proactively want to monitor and notice that, hey, you know, we got a wireless problem and it's affecting endpoints or whatever, things like that. Or, just basic admin, you know, functionality like uh, inventory checking or whatever. So, um, so, Jamie, would it be fair to say that people now see this as an end-to-end complete solution, and they may or may not have had good monitoring on the head end in the past, and they certainly don't have it on the complete story, and that's kind of where the Liquidware product kicks in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely for sure. Um, Chris, it calls out uh, one, two, three, four key features here. You want to just walk us through these? 
Yeah, so this is great. What I love about um, the Stratosphere product here is, um, you know, we for them, we've just got an agent on the endpoint that can actually monitor uh, things on the iGel device. Um, and, and most of the user experience is uh, going to be impacted based on a variety of factors, but um, they can see how the device is doing, like the CPU, the networking connectivity, uh, what's plugged into the device, a lot of different things that can report into their, their console um, and, uh, and then provide some you know, reporting capabilities. Um, one of the things, for example, that we worked with them on a while back was uh, for customers that were looking at, you know, I need to get to Windows 11. Can my devices get there if I were to try to in place upgrade them from 10 to 11? Uh, they actually had a tool that could, you know, uh, report in, kind of give some visibility, and then actually out of that report, hey, these devices are fine. These can, these are will not be, but they will be perfectly fine for iGel OS. And also these use cases like uh, from a user experience, uh, doing user you know uh, communications through Zoom or Teams calls where you want to leverage the endpoint hardware for that. Uh, so a lot of cool metrics and and uh, and reporting features that come with a tool like Stratosphere here. Well, let's just walk through them. So it's metrics for application performance, device device health, and network connectivity. That's one call out. Mm -hmm. uh, detailed device inventory and configuration insights. Uh, it's almost like those are five all by themselves. Uh, proactive event logs and alerts and comprehensive compliance reporting. Um, you know, obviously things that have been part of an end-to-end -end story all this time, easily done in the Windows world, but not always thought about in the delivered compute world and inclusive of the endpoints. Uh, and that's where the liquidware uh, solution kicks in stratosphere just in general on the Windows side, but has been available on the IGL piece for, I don't know, what, three, four years now? Yeah, I think we first announced the integration at Citrix Synergy in early 2020, right before uh, the world came to a halt, if you remember. Um, and they had just integrated into OS 11 at the time. Prior to that, we were using the custom partition mechanism. Um, so it's been, you know, coming up on four years now. And uh, and then obviously they've now built the OS 12 version of that same app that works with their products. Mm. Okay. Uh, and then the last section of the blog says reveal user blind spots. Uh, I didn't go into a lot of detail here, but Jamie, what are they trying to say here? Oh, I'm sorry. That was <laughs> for me. Yeah, Chris, you want to take that one? Well, I, I think um, from the my interaction with the folks there, I mean, you can see, uh, you know, if the user is complaining about something, where where is the problem? Maybe it's is it something inside the uh, application they're accessing, or is it uh, a virtual desktop that is performing uh, seemingly slow? Is it actually something where it's maybe logging in, you know, taking too long, whatever? Which as as you're logging in, you've got things like user persona details profiles, you know, all that stuff that, that there are tools out there that can kind of help optimize that. Um, but do you have something that can kind of really point out where the smoking gun is? Um, and, you know, the user is generally going to experience something on the endpoint. They don't know if it's an issue with the endpoint. It might be something completely uh, different. And so this tool can kind of help figure out, you know, hey, if there's nothing wrong from the endpoint to the network, maybe there's something going on uh, inside the user uh, resource desktop application that is is causing an issue, um, and this is kind of what uh, uh, what that's revealing here is is um, 
you know, because I'm blind if I don't have that data, that information. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, I I wasn't seeing that before. But yeah, I mean, just thinking back to, you know, being an admin back in the days, right? And you hear VDI is slow this morning, right? It's always a tough spot, or even a blind spot getting all the way back to the endpoint if a customer doesn't have an end to end solution. So, you know, as an example, customers love features like um, uh, the Citrix monitoring and things like that, but we're only looking at the application servers or the the VDI uh, instances. So this is a great, great utility to have here or feature, right? To see a full end-to-end visibility to what might be going on as far as the blind spots go, right? So I should have set this up by saying this. And Jamie, I'll ask you a question. How how long has it been since you administered a an actual end-user compute solution at a how how long? How how long? Uh, Maybe just weeks. Okay. So uh, here's the question to you. Traditional end-user computing where you take a Windows computer that's joined to a domain or something, talking to servers and things on the back end versus end-user compute where we're delivering a virtual workload of some type, maybe apps, maybe desktop, what have you, to a, a uh, endpoint that is specifically being used to connect to that you know, delivered compute workload. Would, you, would it be fair to say that EUC has more blind spots than traditional client server computing? Uh, it certainly could be depending on, you know, the 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 build of it, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, it's often forgotten, right? I mean, we think we're gonna build these in the data center and deliver them and everything will be great until there's a problem with the endpoint, right? <laughs> so. My response is absolutely there's more blind spots and they're not where you think they're going to be because you're deliver not deploy and the truth is, and what you just said, and and is it, it's not sometimes, it's every time. <laughs> always, always, always gremlins and end-user compute solutions, and they're fixable. But most people who grew up in a traditional client-server compute world have no idea where to start looking. Yeah, now this is great because, and, and we've talked a lot about just certainly at events and on this podcast before, just you know, uh, helping people understand what is their actual endpoint strategy. And I think, you know, going back to the security conversation earlier, we're, we're at a point in time where yet another technical trend is is uh, emerging. Windows 10, for example, is going to end of life in 2025. Windows 11 is emerging more and more and more. Um, but, uh, you know, and the hardware refresh cycle is back up again, you know, after, you know, everybody bought their stuff three, four years ago. And, you know, so there's this, um, you know, tsunami of, of scenarios going on where, Maybe, you know, they have to consider their endpoints. Uh, you know, they they either can't upgrade the ones they've got because the hardware doesn't support the new version, um, but they can go uh, virtualize that, obviously, or maybe take advantage of some Microsoft licensing they, they own, whatever it is. But uh, as you've talked about, you know, don't forget the endpoint. It all starts there. You know, the users are going to walk up and touch something with their hands and and, you know, keyboard and mouse or whatever, you know. Uh, you have to have something that can deliver a great user experience. They'll reject the solution if they don't have that. You know, these are all things that you guys have focused on quite a bit, you know, all the time. And in user compute is an asynchronous solution where you have a head end, you have an endpoint, but you've got to have both. The head end could be in the cloud. It could be in your data center. That endpoint could be full-blown Windows with a, a gazillion gigs of memory in it, or it could be a limited uh, thin client or somewhere in between more than likely is the answer. But here's the main thing I find all the time is 
people I talk to, when I ask this question, do you have a digital workspace strategy? If they even try to answer, it comes out and it's like they really don't. Uh, and then if I say, do you have a digital workspace strategy that includes an endpoint strategy that fits into that digital workspace strategy? The answer is almost always no. Uh, we just have to keep beating the drum and sending the message out and, and trying to get people to think in those two ways. Jamie, you just came from an organization. We're not going to say who it is here. The leadership of that organization, did they have a true digital workspace strategy for the organization? Or was it just uh, kind of ad hoc using solutions as needed? <laughs> Uh, they they certainly had a solution, and it was being uh, developed and 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 uh, streamlined, if you will. So uh, that's good. Uh, most most organizations, you know, somewhere at the top of the stack. When I ask them the question, they really really don't. Um, and sometimes you pull back the covers, and eighty percent of the users are you know riding around with a Windows device and a VPN, and that is it's very common. Yeah. yeah. By far common, 90 plus percent of organizations are still doing the same thing I did when I got my first job in 1997. Brand new laptop, no more than three years old with a VPN on it. Most organizations still do that. How crazy is that? It's 2023. All right, guys. Well, thanks for jumping on and, and covering this. Um, happy to talk about the Liquidware solution and what it does uh, in the ecosystem in general. Uh, specifically as it relates to end-user compute and IGEL, uh, really is something that uh, has a lot of value for users. Yeah, and I know um, before we wrap up, uh, just kind of tying into just the larger ecosystem you're working on, you guys actually worked with Liquidware to set up uh, a ServiceNow scenario where, uh, you know, having a tool like this in their environment, that could actually feed into their ServiceNow environment too. So uh, that is just another you know, uh, thing that you guys focus on, and and I know we're we've been talking about a similar thing for IGEL. Everything um, we talked about in this podcast comes back to it's great if you can get the data, but what are you going to do with it? And that's where in our world we get that back into service now, and then you have a fighting chance as to what you then do next. And that that world is going to evolve a ton once you start talking about AI and what artificial intelligence can then do with that data that humans would have taken forever. Uh, to to do with that same data. Yeah, it is it is fascinating to see kind of uh, what what's emerging uh, <laughs> with uh, that whole topic. Uh, the, the tremendous benefits of using something like that to you know <clears throat> look for. Hey, we've had twelve cases on this same topic right here. Was the resolution and you know feed that back to a user or something rather than a yes. Uh, I was listening to a ton of podcasts this morning. One of them on the advancements in AI in the last six months. Uh, for example, uh, the, the, in one of the AI tools, they told it to go write the, the game Pong, and it did it in 30, 30 seconds. From <laughs> scratch, it wrote Pong. Crazy. Uh, apparently, the guy who originally wrote Pong took three months to get it done. Um, but an example of um, what you just said, Chris, is you, through Liquidware, get the stuff into service now. You look at it with artificial intelligence, find out that it's that it's been some problem and through generative artificial intelligence, you tell it to write a script to solve that problem, boom, it's done. I think we're just on the cusp of uh, the capabilities here. Hopefully nobody developed Skynet and we're now looking at Terminator 3, but uh, you know. <laughs> well, they, they, one of the things they talked about this morning was that the guy predicted within six months, uh, one of the AI tools will be able to create a Pixar movie from scratch. 
That's incredible. You wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, I did see that. It's something else. Wow. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll meet again in a week and do it again. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks, Andy.